The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Just into the lead, the Biden family's German Shepherd commander has been involved in at least 24 biting incidents involving the U.S. Secret Service, according to newly obtained documents obtained by CNN. CNN senior White House producer Betsy Klein joins us now in her lead debut. And Betsy, some incidents with commander had been previously reported, but these records paint a picture of a of a much larger issue, really. That's right, Jake. You'll remember CNN reported in the fall that the president's German Shepherd commander was involved in dozens of biting incidents that was White House personnel, members of Secret Service, residents, staff, and others. And it became such a problem that the first family eventually had to send the dog to live with other family members. And after that, my colleague Camilla, Camilla DeChalice sent a Freedom of Information request to the Secret Service to really better understand what was going on here. And today we got back hundreds of documents detailing the nature of the bites over a full year. And there were at least 24 specific incidents with the Secret Service. And I want to read you this email from an unnamed assistant special agent in charge to his team on the Presidential Protective Division. Now, these are the agents that most closely protect the president and his family. He says, the recent dog bites have challenged us to adjust our operational tactics when commander is present. Please give lots of room. He added that agents must be creative to ensure our own personal safety. So, Betsy, did the White House send commander to live with family immediately after this? Well, no, Jake. I mean, Commander actually remained at the White House for more than three months after this email was sent, and there were multiple incidents in that time. And exactly one month after that email, an agent working at the Biden's Rehoboth Beach, Delaware home was bit in the backyard as he walked to his post. And a report we got from that incident said that it caused a severe, deep, open wound, that the agent started to lose a significant amount of blood. That agent was treated by the White House medical unit, got six stitches. And we learned that more than 10 of these total incidents required medical treatment. Now, the first family really considers this dog to be part of the family. How is this allowed to go on? I mean, you saw in that report from Jake Tapper, hundreds, hundreds of documents recording all of these attacks, 24 bites, six stitches, (laughs) gushing wounds. And uh, I mean, in in many ways, it, uh, it perfectly typifies everything that's wrong with this administration, this fake presidency, where all of these disasters are happening around and nothing, nothing is done about it. You're listening to Stephen Flurry and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show. You can get to the live video stream of this show at trumpetdaily.com or at the Rumble channel. Just go to rumble.com forward slash Trumpet Daily. It's on every weekday morning at 11.05 a.m. in the central time zone of the United States. You know, it's amazing. I don't, I don't know how much the Biden crime family is worth. Hundreds of millions, no doubt. And they could have a personal dog trainer with Commander. It's amazing that he's, he's named Commander, by the way, because you've got the Commander biting everybody, and then you've got the Commander-in-Chief that has a lot of problems as well. I'll get to that here in just a second. 
there's nothing to laugh at. It's not funny what's happening. America really and truly is under attack. And you see some of these stories and you can't even believe that they're real. You can't, it's like the story yesterday. We played for you this, this woman who's not even an American citizen. She's on the election commission in San Francisco. And I had to have one of my assistants go and actually verify that it was even true. Because I, I, I read it and I saw it on social media. And I said, how can this even be real? Is this a real story? And, and yet it is. And then you have, on the other hand, you have all these stories that are presented to us as real, and they're fake. So much phoniness, so much fakery as well. What a world. It's, it's certainly not God's world. These are the last days of the American empire, the, the, the single greatest nation in the history of the world. This article, it's at the Daily Mail because you're not going to, you're probably not going to see it over here. Although, as you saw from that cold open, I mean, they're definitely going after the Bidens, the regime media. They're definitely going after the Bidens in ways that they didn't a year or two ago. But this is from the Daily Mail. Hour by sleepy hour, the very revealing details of a frail 81-year-old Biden's day says here, bleary-eyed and with a sleep apnea machine strapped to his face, Biden wakes up most mornings when his cat crawls across him. So there's the cat, the dog, the Bidens. After getting out of bed, he heads for a 45-minute workout with a physical therapist who focuses on balance exercises to stop him uh, falling and to deal with his increasingly stiff gait. As I say, none of this is to poke fun at the man. But this is one of many, many reports showing just how sharp the decline is mentally and, and of course physically, as everyone knows, when you get older. But this is the, the commander-in-chief. says here, the president's not in his Oval Office or at his Oval Office desk until 10 a.m., Aides schedule most of his public events between 10 and 4 p.m. because White House insiders say that's when he's at his sharpest. It says his news conferences are heavily limited and uh, he has clocked just half the number of, of them compared to Obama. He, and Obama wasn't really accessible. You want an accessible president, you've got one in Donald Trump, that's for sure. All of the press conferences and the fiery ones. Remember him going at it with Jim Acosta and whoever else? And then he's off to Marine One out behind the White House and he stops to the press pool. From my memory, it was like every single time. Obama said his, his, his was the most transparent presidency in history. That's what, he, that's what he was proclaiming coming into that office. But even his, his press conferences were carefully staged, carefully controlled by his handlers. And then you have Joe Biden, who's hardly accessible at all. What is going on? It says he's often late to the press conferences by up to an hour. Aides refer to this tardiness as Biden time. 
Follow-up questions are heavily limited in case disaster strikes, as it did recently when he got the Egyptian premier's name wrong. The fear of him tripping has consumed his aides and forced the Secret Service to put an extra agent at the bottom of the small Air Force One stairs. So the Secret Service, because of this, this crazy attack dog, they're having to change their policies and procedures on the fly because of this German shepherd that, that has bitten 24 people. It's like someone put out on Twitter, if you've got a dog that bites one or two people, I mean, that's a, a problem with the dog. If you've got a dog that bites 24 people, that's a problem with the owner. That's a problem with the dog's family. And I, I think that that individual is probably right, the one who sent that message out on Twitter. I mean, the level of detail, Sam sifted through it this morning. The detail, the incidents, when the bite, how many times they had to get, you know, the, the, the White House medical staff involved for the stitches or take somebody to the hospital. And you know what? In these hundreds of pages of documents chronicling all of the incidents of commander biting people, there's a lot of stuff that's redacted. <laughs> there's a, I mean, CNN, to their credit, they got the Freedom of uh, Information Act request. <laughs> they reported on it yesterday, as I say, to their credit. But what is going on? The fear of him tripping has consumed his aides. That's what the United States of America is being led by now. That's the commander-in-chief where the aides are consumed with just trying to keep him from tripping, from falling down. And, and yet, we're supposed to carry on like everything is perfectly normal. We're in perfectly good hands. I mean, the historians told us that earlier this week. He's the 14th best president in history. Just a few slots behind the dear leader, Barack Obama. Of course, Donald Trump, he's down at the, the absolute rock bottom. As they go on and on, they continue to go on and on. <laughs> Connecting the bad orange man to the bad Putin. Listen to this from, uh, from uh, the morning meltdown. This is clip two. And Donnie Deutsch was showing pictures of Donald Trump uh, with Vladimir Putin, of course, going back to the Lemire press conference. Uh, nobody will ever forget, I think, as long as Donald Trump's in politics. Now, uh, when Donald Trump, look at him. He, he, was, he was just My God. submissive to Vladimir Putin, so much so that when Jonathan, our, our own Jonathan Lemire asked, hey, do you trust Vladimir Putin more or your own intel chiefs that you appointed? He's like, uh, uh, I, I trust Vladimir Putin more. Well, I mean, with respect to the stolen election, I think uh, Putin, Putin knows that there was a lot of funny business in 2020. That's really what Trump was talking about years ago. Uh, but submitting to Vladimir Putin, seriously? So as I said on yesterday's show, here we are eight years on. Eight years on, and it's deja vu. It's Trump-Russia collusion all over again. The same, it's like I told Sam yesterday, the, they're running out of ideas. They're running out of narratives. It's just recycle the same old 
same old. Listen to clip three. I still believe that Americans believe that we are a city shining brightly on the hill for all the world to see. And like Ronald Reagan, that we we are the torch of freedom that is spread across the world. I believe it. Joe, I believe it. And I think most Americans believe it, Donnie. And I do not believe that Americans will support a guy and put him back in the White House who betrays Israel, who betrays Ukraine, who betrays Taiwan, and who betrays freedom fighters across the globe. I don't believe it. Donald Trump betrays pretty much every issue where the American people are. Every issue, right. He betrays every issue where the American people are. This is Joe Biden's favorite show. This is Joe Biden's morning show. And Joe Biden's staff is consumed. According to the Daily Mail, they are consumed with with just trying to keep him from tripping. As I say, even that image perfectly typifies everything that we know now about this corrupt administration. This is uh, from Politico. This was a story that broke uh, about a week ago, I think it was. But it says here, Biden's brother used his name to promote a hospital chain, and then the hospital collapsed, or the chain collapsed. It says here, in 2017, a hospital operator set out to build a rural health care empire with the help of a Philadelphia-era area consultant. The consultant, Jim Biden, had no experience running hospitals, but he did understand the federal government had ties to labor unions. Perhaps more important, he was the younger brother of Joe Biden. I mean, it's Hunter all over again. Yeah, the selling the Biden family name. Pay to play. We'll use our name to make this hospital chain a success. It says the final years of the Obama administration had cemented the former vice president's towering stature in the world of health care, where he had made the fight against cancer a top federal priority and then a centerpiece of his legacy building efforts. For then 67-year-old Jim Biden, the third of four Biden siblings, his ties to his older brother made up, made up much of his pitch as he pursued deals that could help AmeriCorps make money from drug rehab, lab testing, and even cancer treatment. <laughs> I mean, this is the kind of thing that goes on in Washington all the time. This is why sending tens of billions to Ukraine is so important to these elites because they've got to keep laundering the money. Pay to play. There's kickbacks for everybody. As long as you're, as long as you're in the uniparty. I mean, you can be on the take as well. And, and these are all the people, of course, that go on and on about Donald Trump's the worst. He's a stooge of Putin and he's corrupt through and through. There is just the story uh, this morning, I think it was, this judge, he oversaw the hearing with Fannie Willis, who's totally milking the system, paying off her lover, and then getting a kickback from him as they travel the world on these cruise lines and everything else. 
and the judge presiding over that hearing, he supported Fannie Willis's campaign to come into office. He's, he and his wife have donated to Fannie Willis. How many people are, are in on it? And yet Fannie presents herself. <laughs> I think we have that clip left over from yesterday. She presents herself as a, as a poor victim. This is clip eight. Let me tell you something that I've learned very, very recently, because you may need this lesson as well. You know, people keep sending me scriptures, and I, and I appreciate those scriptures, but different people from all different walks of life keep sending me this one scripture, and I don't think I ever really heard it till to maybe two days ago. You, people send you stuff, you read them, they just kind of become things you recite, but you don't really think about what they say. The scripture they keep sending me is, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. I am an imperfect human being, but I can literally feel the people who loves me's prayers. If just every now and again, you'll throw my name in a prayer, God hears his children. I would very much appreciate that. Mm, Preaching like a preacher, quoting scripture even. And then you just scratch a little bit beneath the surface and see how the, these people really and truly live their lives, what they're doing, how much money they're making, how much money they've got stashed underneath the, the, uh, the bed, just cash all over the place. She talked about $50,000. I mean, just even, you, you look into the money side of this alone, you're going to find some pretty lawless behavior to say nothing of the, just the immorality, you know, committing adultery, uh, paying off your lover, lying to the court. And then we come out, then we come to find out that the judge presiding over this case, whether or not she should be dismissed, he's a supporter of Fannie Willis. He loves her politics. That's what so much of it boils down to, doesn't it? It's just pure and simple politics. And in this case, you're talking about radical left-wing communist ideology. A dog in the, the white, on the White House grounds has bitten 24 people. How does it go on, you might ask? It goes on because so many of these dumpster fires just keep right on burning. And then you've got the regime media there to tell you that, hey, Hang on a second. This is normal. What you're seeing is normal. In fact, you're not even seeing a dumpster fire. You're seeing peace. You're seeing prosperity. I think the morning meltdown went on again about how wonderful the economy is. If I can find the quote, play uh, clip five. And I'm wondering, yesterday, the former guy, DJ Trump, Here's what he said in that town hall meeting. We have a country that's dying. We have a country that's failing, a failing nation. We have a nation in decline. We are a nation in decline. And my question is, to the people out there watching, to the people who go to work every day, who raise their children and pay their taxes, why is it that this new Republican Party, so many of them, people like Donald Trump, People like Lindsey Graham, why do they hate America? Why does everyone on that show 
sound exactly the same? Why is there no variety of opinion? Why is the commentary straight off the talking points of Media Matters, whatever George Soros, whatever the dear leader says, Barack Hussein Obama, fundamentally transform America. This next one was when he, he got more into the economy. Clip six. Forget about the hating. Why does he lie about America? It's Nancy so Pelosi's question. Why does he always lie about America and tear down America? He says we're in a nation in decline. Please, please try telling that to their allies. They will laugh like a bitter laugh because they look at the United States economy and they're jealous. Mm-hmm. They're jealous because our economy is stronger than any economy in the world. Stronger than it's never been better. The way these people see it, this is, I mean, this is, we're one step removed from a perfect utopia. Thanks to Joe Biden. Thanks to the Biden crime family. And of course, the dear leader working behind the scenes. Victor Davis Hanson, in a recent piece, he said, the weirdest element of the Biden labyrinth of illegality is that both Hunter and his attorneys footnote their writs and statements with the inexplicable notion that the laptop is not necessarily Hunter's own, but then again, it it could be. How does this go on? Again, it's like the dog on the White House grounds. How does this happen? How is nothing done about it? Even Jake Tapper said the dog needs to go. The dog needs to go, needs to be put down or sent off to the family, whatever. It needs to be in a backyard where there's a tight fence and and security to keep the dog from from getting out. But it just continues. And it's so bad that the Secret Service has to change their policies and procedures just to be on the lookout for Commander. He's terrorizing the, the White House grounds. Hundreds and hundreds of documents spelling out all the attacks. Sure enough. Is this normal, what we're seeing, what we're witnessing? Or is this crazy? It's crazy. It's insanity. It's an attack, to be more precise. America under attack. Victor Davis Hansen says, in other words, they are not presenting evidence to show that either the photographs, texts, or emails are concocted, even while they are suing various parties for defamatory dissipation of the sort of true, sort of false contents. You see how the legal system works today? Well, it's no problem. Just get a a radical left-wing judge, and if he's donated to Fannie or uh, Angeron, who cares? He can give you a just ruling. That's right. Here here they are, on the one hand, arguing, we've been defamed. People are using Hunter's laptop to show how much corruption and evil there is in our family. And it might not even be real. It might be real. I mean, it could be real. But it might not be. It's like Jim Comey. Going before these committees where people are dressed in nice suits, Asking him questions, D- did this actually happen? Well, it, it may have, it might not have happened, but it could have happened. There you go. That's uh, Jim Comey testifying 
101. Just get up there and talk about all the things that Donald Trump could do or might do. And meanwhile, the dumpster fires are all around. You've got a German shepherd attacking people on the White House grounds. And what's being done about it? Nothing. Nothing. The Secret Service actually has to change their policies and procedures to make sure that they can continue to secure the grounds without getting bitten by this rabid dog. It says here, the same alternative or alternate universe surrounds Joe Biden's cognitive decline to prove that the Biden administration's appointed special counsel was unprofessional and in error by referencing proof of Biden's dementia. Biden gave a sudden and un unusual press conference. There you have, you see all of these, all of these alternate universes, as VDH uh, says. This is from the center square. 70% of the largest U.S. cities don't have enough money to cover costs. So leave aside the crime, the rampant crime, all the problems with our big cities, and now migrants are just pouring into these cities. So many of these cities are, are broke. They've been, they've been under communist leadership, in some cases, for decades. We touched, touched on this yesterday with San Francisco and New York City. New York City, there was a story the other day where the migrants are getting cash cards with 10,000 bucks on them. Think of it. Eric Adams and, and, and Hochul just giving out tens of thousands of dollars to illegals. No wonder minorities living in big cities are so upset. No wonder they're swinging over in the direction of Donald Trump. Donald Trump's the only one speaking some truth about the rampant, illegal immigration. Listen to what he said over the weekend. This is clip seven. It's a new category. I don't know if you've heard this, but I came up with this one. Migrant crime. There's crime, there's violent crime, there's migrant crime. We have a new category of crime. It's called migrant crime. And it's going to be worse than any other form of crime. You look at New York City, what's going on where they attack police. They want to fight police officers. Our criminals don't even do that so much, okay? I've never seen, they're having fistfights with the police officers in the middle of the street. And we have to do something about it. These are tough people. Don't forget, they're not sending their finest. I know all the leaders of the South American- Well, they really hit you when you said that in 2015. You said they're it sending- doesn't matter. A, and, yeah, and oh, now, all these years of, later- um, Everything turned out to be right. Everything turned out to be right. He was right. We, we could write a- uh, another brochure by that same title and put Donald Trump on the cover because he, he has been. He's been right about so many different things. He's not, obviously, he doesn't have a perfect record. It's not 100%. But he said in the lead up to 2016, look, they're not sending their best. We've got to close the border. He gets in and he does that. And what's the first thing that Joe Obama does as soon as they steal the election? They, they open the border and they let everyone in. It says here, coming back to the, the cities of America going bankrupt, in the latest comprehensive analysis of the fiscal health of the 75 most populous cities in the U.S., 53, 53 out of 75 
did not have enough money to pay all their bills. They're going broke. Just like the state governments. Just like, let's be honest now, just like the federal government. What are we at now? 34, 35 trillion. I gave you the the quote the other day. Projecting it to be into the hundreds of trillions of dollars in just another, what, a couple decades? Is this sustainable? This is dying by suicide. This is an attack from within. Now, now some have emailed me and said, you know, Donald Trump wasn't exactly one to, to reduce the deficit. And that's true. That's true. None of them. All of them have spent like drunken sailors. Like the party's never going to end. The party is going to end. And it's going to be an economic crisis that triggers a lot of end-time prophecies, as I said earlier this week. It says here, of the ten cities with the greatest taxpayer burden, nine are run by Democrats. New York City has the greatest taxpayer burden, something like $61,000 per person, followed by Chicago, and we'll list all of, all of them off. It's not, not a list that you want to be on if you're the government of a big city. New York City, which has historically ranked as the worst for fiscal health, attributed much of its financial woes to COVID-19, mentioning it 38 times in its financial report, according to the analysis, despite receiving $6.5 billion in COVID relief grants and $1.3 billion increase in tax revenues. They upped the taxes. They get COVID relief, you know, from the the federal government because they've got an unlimited supply of of dollars. And they still, they still go broke. And then they say, well, it's only because of COVID. And they're the ones that imposed the draconian policies surrounding the COVID scamdemic. What a system. It's like I was saying yesterday or the day before about the judicial system in the United States. I mean, here you have all these checks and balances in place just so that you can hopefully arrive at a, at a fair verdict. But more and more, it's, it's used as a weapon. It's used to destroy people. It's used to send, them, to send them to prison for trespassing in one case. In the other case, I mean, hey, they're beating and pummeling police officers and they're in the country illegally let me just let them you know give them a slap on the wrist let them go let them go catch and release catch and release (laughs) new york blaming it on covid neil ferguson he had a a piece that made us think of what herbert armstrong said so many years ago about the unthinkable will happen his uh, headline here, if you think World War III is unimaginable, read this. He's a, he's a British commentator, and he's basically saying, uh, you know, America has its head in the sand. He writes, I fervently hope, I mean, this is just the conclusion of his piece, I, fer- I fervently hope none of these grim scenarios come to, pay, come to pass. However, Especially when I recollect the fall of uh, Kabul in 2021, I find it hard to dismiss the idea that we might 
acquiesce uh, quite nonchalantly, he uses a different word, in all three cases, it says, and the only explanation I can find for this is that Americans, deep in their hearts, do not think that defeat applies to them. They just, they just feel like there's, there's no possible way that the American superpower can come crashing down. There's just no way it can happen. We're too rich. We're too powerful. We've had it so good. I was saying this morning in a college forum, actually I have it, some of it, for the Bible study segment. So this will be a nice little segue into that. We'll, we'll take a, a promo break here in just a moment. But, uh, but I mentioned, you know, we've had it so good, particularly here in Manasseh, particularly in the, the greatest single superpower in the history of the world. And yet we're so ungrateful. <laughs> we're so unappreciated. Everybody thinks they deserve a cash card with $10,000 on it. Everybody feels entitled to get all of these handouts and, and they never get enough. It's never enough. There's always something to complain about. There's always something to be negative about. That's the spirit of Satan's attitude, one of them. He's such a negative being. His mind, of course, is twisted and distorted in every respect. But he's just bombarding the air with negativity. Everybody's got a chip on their shoulder. When we come back, I'll talk about God's admonition, the Bible's admonition, to be positive and to be thankful. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We'll be right. We will be right back. What has happened to the United States of America? The wealthiest, most powerful nation in human history is suddenly divided, weakened, radical. The evil in America has grown powerful. The good has grown weak. The honorable parts of American history are succumbing to a direct, targeted, sustained assault. Someone, something is dismantling America's history, purpose, and character. Fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Political dysfunction, social strife, economic peril, catastrophic moral failure, fires, attacks, riots, lies. The nation is being attacked from within by its own leaders. Powerful elites in government, journalism, academia, and beyond are intentionally, rapidly destroying what America is in order to make it into something else. There is a reason why your nation is crumbling before your eyes. There is a spirit and a specific perpetrator that is attempting to blot out America. Only America Under Attack reveals that perpetrator and the motive and spirit behind him. This newly expanded book shows you the reason why America has changed so dramatically, so suddenly. If you're confused and concerned about what is happening to America, request your free copy of America Under Attack by Gerald Flurry at thetrumpet.com. Here at God's College, uh, I'm talking about Armstrong College. Uh, we've got a campus here at our headquarters campus and one in Edstone, England. 
But uh, one thing that really has been emphasized quite a lot in recent weeks is for us to set aside distractions, close the laptop, you know, disconnect the phone, and stop and think and, and ponder. See laws, it says in the, the Psalms. And also, I mean, we've really emphasized with our student body to really strengthen those connections with one another, to build up the family of God, where, as Ephesians 4 says, every joint supplies, every joint contributes. You see the same, the same instruction in 1 Corinthians 12. Everyone participates. Everyone gets behind. The, as I said yesterday, the most important commission on earth. It's important that the family of God uh, be united in that, uh, that effort. The, uh, this was actually brought out in uh, an assembly that we had yesterday where the students were admonished to strengthen those connection, connections with one another and to even just do the simple things of saying thank you or, or pausing, slowing down enough to where you can physically uh, handwrite notes to one another or in a journal or whatever it might be. This was uh, from Newsweek recently. America's 15-year experiment with social media and smart smartphones has been on balance a catastrophe for our kids. You see stories like this all the time now because we've had nearly a generation of young people growing up on so-called smart devices and it's making them dumber, it's making them antisocial, it's, it's severing connections that they would otherwise make with people. It says here, when your kids are young, collaborate with other parents and your child's friend group collectively opt out of smartphones and social media. Colluding parents might give younger teens alternate dumb phones instead. It says the advice has uh, certainly worked for me as I've been raising my teenagers. The key is helping kids to form real, not virtual, social lives. They've got the virtual so social life going and more and more they're unhappy they're negative, they're critical of everything and everyone around them. And there's a spirit behind this, as I said earlier. Joel Hilliker wrote for our Royal Vision magazine, this is in 2006. He said, when we concentrate and worry about what we don't have, we make ourselves poor when we're grateful Grateful for and content with everything we do have, we discover how rich we truly are. This is what I tried to get across with our students this morning. It's a, it's a busy time <laughs> right now as we've got, I haven't plugged it enough, but we've got the, the grand opening of our spectacular exhibit. That's on Sunday. And then we've got Celtic Throne that night. That's almost sold out. Celtic Throne going into its fifth season. And it's been, a, it's been a very busy time just getting for our performers and everybody involved in the show getting ready for that and then everybody involved and there have been a lot of people uh, contributing to and participating in the development of that exhibit. 
the, I mean, the caretaker of the artifacts that were brought over here just a few days ago. She's an Israeli from, uh, from Israel, from Jerusalem. And she's looked at some of the things that, that we've produced to go together with the artifacts. And she's like, this is fantastic. This has never been done. No, nothing like this has ever been done. It's amazing when you're just dedicated to a cause and you just want to give to others. Yeah, sometimes you can feel a little bit worn out. There's been a stomach bug going around this week that some of us have been slowed down by. But like I was saying to the students this morning, I mean, there are so many amazing things happening. One of them came up to me after the forum and said, you know, if I was, yeah, I'm kind of worn out right now. But then, then I was thinking to myself while you were speaking, that if I was out in the field somewhere, in a field congregation, thinking about what was happening right now on the headquarters campus, putting together this exhibit, getting ready to welcome all these visitors, I would want so much to be there, to be a part of it. And you do have to step back from time to time and realize just how much of a blessing it is to contribute to God's work. Yes, it's intense. Yes, yes, it can be stressful. And sometimes you can even get a little bit negative and think, wow, I just wish the level of activity could, could let up a little bit. We, we want to relish those opportunities to just drop everything and go all in. For I mean, there's a lot to be said for God's government and directing us you know, in the right way so that we're not spinning our wheels. We don't want it to all be done in vain, like it says in Ecclesiastes 2. But when there is a centralized focus, when God's government is giving us the direction that we need, and then, and then everyone just throws their heart into it, that produces, among other things, that produces happiness and joy. It can make you a little tired and worn out at times, but you'll, you'll be happy and joyful. Mr. Hilliker wrote here, What peace and joy flood into our lives when we focus on the real, the true, the incorruptible, the eternal, when we can sincerely thank our great God for all the blessings he gives us, even our trials. That's right. The Bible says you can even rejoice in the midst of trials and tests. You can actually go to God and say, God, thank you for this trial. I need this because I need stronger faith. I need to see your perspective. I need to see the bigger picture here. It says greed shrinks. Discontent dissolves. Materialism melts away. When thankfulness moves in, it brings its companion, contentment. Paul said in 1 Timothy 6, I think it is, that godliness with contentment is great gain. I mean, just living God's way and being content with that, being thankful. Paul also said he learned how to be content. So it's not something that comes natural. As I was telling the students today, what comes natural is to get up on the wrong side of the bed and to be negative, to be a real Debbie Downer the whole day. Woe is me. 
but God can fill you with his joy. And he's also going to be evaluating whether or not you're, you're going to come and express thanks, thanksgiving and joy in response to these many wonderful blessings. We've been given so many in the physical realm and certainly the spiritual realm as well. Look at, uh, if you have your Bible, read along with me. This is Luke chapter uh, 17. Luke 17 and verse uh, 11, it says, And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. I mean, these were ten people sick with leprosy. And they lifted up their voices and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. Look at our wretched condition. We need help. We need healing. We need strength. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go and show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. (laughs) They were healed. How about that? Stunning miracle. Ten people. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. One of them had a very humble and sincere and grateful response to this life-changing miracle brought on by God himself, a supernatural healing. And he fell down on his face, at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. Notice Jesus' response. This is verse 17. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? I mean, God actually, He notices when we're ungrateful, when we're not appreciative. And He doesn't like it. Because that's not the way He is. That's not His nature. And He set out from the very beginning. Genesis 1 brings this out. I could take you through a lot of other passages as well. But he said, I'm going to reproduce myself. And that includes his nature, his character, his makeup, everything. His attitude. That's what we're endeavoring to become as true Christians. Matthew 5.48. Follow in the steps of Christ. 1 Peter 2.21. God said, Jesus said, under the inspiration of God, where are the nine? It says here, there are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. God really had high praise for this Gentile, this stranger, this Samaritan, who was thankful enough to hurry back and say to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Thank you. Glory be to God. This is uh, from Herbert Armstrong. He wrote this back in 1962. He said, Certainly a lack of gratitude is one of the most prevalent, if not the most terrible, of sins. It's just a terrible sin to be ungrateful, 
and unthankful. You, you know as a parent how disappointing it is when you've given a wonderful and precious gift to a little child and the child receives it as if he's entitled to it and, and doesn't say thank you and doesn't show you that he really appreciates that precious gift. Certainly a lack of gratitude is one of the most prevalent, if not the most terrible of sins. Few have learned to really appreciate what they have. Have, have you learned this? Have I learned this? To appreciate what we have, what God has given to us? It says here, most are prone to accept the good things by taking them for granted, failing to give thanks. We, we gripe about our complaints more than we count our blessings, Mr. Armstrong wrote. <laughs> we, gripe, we gripe about our complaints more than we count our blessings. This is something we should do daily, not just around the time of Thanksgiving. But give God thanks, as I was saying to the students this morning, making this a part of your morning routine when you pray to God. One of the students was saying how that she tries to really concentrate on that with a, a short prayer at night to just give God thanks for all, of the, for all of the blessings of that day and how that when she thinks to do that every day, then it has a nice uh, carryover into her morning prayer session. It's a wonderful spirit. That's a spirit that we want to promote. That's a spirit we want to spread. Because the devil's out there actively working to spread negativity and, and doubt. Like cancer. And it has spread. Look at these clips I give to you almost every day from the morning meltdown. These are miserable people that think about one thing how bad a certain individual is, and that's it. Mr. Armstrong said this. Well, I guess I gave you that quote. Why don't we finish over in Psalm 103. This is Psalm 103. It's a wonderful psalm. All through it, God says or inspires the psalmist to just repeatedly say, Blessed, bless the Lord, blessed be God. Verse 1, it says, Bless the Eternal, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. I mean, you could be in the worst of trials and still give God thanks for His holiness, for His perfect character, for His awesome purpose and plan, for the fact that we're being reproduced in His image. That's unbelievable. What a calling. What a vision. I mentioned Mystery of the Ages earlier. This week, we've, the fact that we fought in court for six years just so that we could distribute this message. And, and you can see on the cover all of the questions. Did you ever ask yourself, who am I? What am I? Why am I? You are a mystery. The world about you is a mystery. But now, I mean, now you can understand. You can get the answers to the most important questions in life. What a blessing. What a blessing just that book alone is. It, it's like Mr. Armstrong said when he handed it, out, handed it out there to the sophomore class back in 1985. It really, I mean, it will help you understand the Bible. 
The Bible's the most important book in the world. And this book really helps you, your understanding, or helps you open your mind to the truth of the Bible. Verse 2, this is back to Psalm 103. It says, Bless the Eternal, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. Don't forget God's benefits. Don't focus on the complaints and forget about the benefits and forget about the blessings. David goes on in this psalm to list so many of these blessings and benefits of God. That's why, as I say, it would be a great study. Just this psalm alone, Selah, (laughs) stop and think. Stop and think on this psalm if you're looking to fill your prayer session with more positive energy, with more gratefulness and thanksgiving and praise. Down in verse 20, notice this, it says, Bless the Lord, you His angels that excel in strength, that do His commandments, hearkening unto the voice of the Eternal. Bless you, the Lord, it says. All you His hosts, you ministers of His, that do His pleasure. Verse 22, bless the Eternal, all His works in all places of His dominion. Bless the Eternal, O my soul. I mean, that's coming from someone who is really and truly thankful, really and truly appreciative. I mean, David had his trials and tests. David lost a child, lost an infant because of his sins. There's cause and effect. But he accepted God's punishment. He got his life on track. He learned. He mastered repentance. And another thing he did, and you see it through his writings in the Psalms, Another thing he did was just constantly give thanks and praise to God. That's all we have time for on today's show. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. Thank you for joining us on today's show, and we'll see you tomorrow.